Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast, where it's our goal here to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights about a broad array of topics in this world of residential energy ratings. So whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, appraiser, you want to hear about some of the evolving trends in home energy ratings. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and today we're going to talk with Matthew Cooper. Building science is building science. Science doesn't care, it just is. Application for HERS Raiders' knowledge of building science are out there, sometimes where you'd least expect them. Recorded in April 2020, today's topic is tuned to the current pandemic, perhaps in an unexpected way. Join us as we speak with Matthew Cooper, who is Senior Vice President at PEG LLC, about how his company is supporting the healthcare community by providing third-party isolation room testing. Matthew starts in with an overview of PEG's 22-year history and how the company evolved into the multifaceted organization that it is today, including becoming a HERS rating provider and ResNet 100,000 Homes Club member. And we discussed PEG's teams in previous experience in the healthcare setting and how they are now providing independent monitoring of hospital isolation rooms, intensive care unit rooms, emergency rooms, all where suspected and confirmed COVID-19 patients are being cared for. So let's listen to Matthew's views on this topic of isolation room monitoring from a HERS Raiders perspective at PEG. Today, we're pleased to have Matthew Cooper of PEG Environmental to talk about supporting healthcare community with third-party isolation room monitoring. That's a long title. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Great. So for listeners who might not be familiar with you or with PEG, can you describe the company and sort of your role there, please? Absolutely. So PEG started 22 years ago predominantly as a mechanical engineering and environmental firm. Over the years, obviously, the company has grown from just a few people to now over 200. We are physically located. Our headquarters is in the Washington, D.C. area, but we conduct daily HERS, ResNet inspections, Energy Star inspections, etc. in 27 states. It's a fairly large operation. We're one of the largest HERS raiders in the country now. And we'll look at certifying over 50,000 homes this year, having just passed our 100,000 home threshold last December and receiving ResNet's induction into the 100K club. Awesome. Really awesome. Wow. So what's your role at the firm? Are you one of the founders? I am. So I am one of the original founders. There are two partners, myself and Joanne Spence, that own the firm. As I said, my background is mechanical engineering, and originally the company was predominantly working in the federal space, working on GSA-scheduled properties, working on military bases, et cetera. And then we started to expand into more of the residential side of things and dealing with the independent inspections and testing of residential new construction has become one of the biggest parts of the firm. And Today, the topic is related to sort of the current thing going on while we're recording this session. It's the coronavirus pandemic, if you will. And your team, your firm is working on with some independent monitoring activities and hospital isolation rooms. How did that evolve? How did that come about? One of the interesting things to me is that building science is building science. 
whether you're dealing with residential new construction or commercial buildings, the primary components of building science are they're protected from really caring uh, what type of building you're applying that science to. So we started years ago working with hospitals, hospital chains on identifying their ability to respond to biocontainment needs in response to things such as Ebola. One of those clients' hospital systems in the D.C. metro area, as mechanical engineers, we helped them design their biocontainment unit in 2015 and have remained on their biocontainment unit task force ever since. And one of the things that the firm, as an environmental-based firm, when it first started, very early on, we were involved in independent monitoring of tuberculosis rooms and hospitals. We were very involved in responding to a variety of threats in the D.C. area, from anthrax to SARS to Ebola. And it's been kind of one of those things where we've always applied what we find to be practical, pragmatic steps of applied building science to what are often complex, complicated matters. When this, the COVID-19 pandemic started to rear its head, we were in early discussions with that hospital chain about how they were preparing. ASHRAE has great standards and guidelines for airborne infection isolation rooms, but the practical implication of putting those into motion is a different story. So we started to work with their engineering folks on really understanding The difference between their dedicated isolation rooms and rooms that they wanted to temporarily turn into isolation rooms and how we could help them with that. Is this a field that comes to strictly the the specialty or the expertise comes through experience or is there a place where you learn how to do this? Well, the process of engineering control of the indoor environment is one that um, the experience of a HERS rater, the experience of a licensed engineer, the experience of an HVAC installation contractor, they're all relative experiences that have a, a role in applying those best practices from those industries to a more unique, more specialized application. So for us, the fundamental nature of any indoor air quality problem, it consists of three components. You have a an occupant or occupants that are being affected by something. You have a contaminant, real or perceived, and you have a pathway. And in solving indoor air problems, you have to address one of those three components is going to be the avenue that you are best able to respond to it. Ideally, if you can move an occupant from the location where they're being affected by something, that's great. But when you have COVID-19 patients, they don't have a choice about whether or not they have the virus. So the second is the contaminant. Can you control the contaminant? In in this case, again, that's not something that's under the direct control of the constituents that are dealing with those patients. So third, you have a pathway. And for us, the mechanical pathway of the direction that air is moving is what creates the ability for an isolation room to isolate that contaminant and the individual that it's affecting from both the healthcare workers and from the other parts of the hospital. The way back past in my mind, I used to think of uh, indoor air qualities being related to four Ps, people, pollutant, pathway, and pressure. And that sounds like that's an overlay right on top of that. So tell me a little bit more about the pressure because it does involve differential pressure testing, air sealing. What are the, some of the aspects that you're measuring and monitoring? 
So the unique thing is that most hospitals today have designed isolation rooms that are designed in strict compliance with not only differential pressure ranges as dictated by ASHRAE, but also air exchange rates for those same rooms. And generally, when you have a dedicated designed isolation room, it's going to have uh, hard surfaces. It's not going to have a return plenum. It's not going to have perforated ceiling tiles, et cetera. So these are all things that we needed to address in working with the engineering staff at the hospitals is it's one thing to understand and stand up those rooms, those parts of a hospital that have been designed as isolation rooms from the beginning. It's altogether a totally different thing when you're trying to stand up temporarily rooms that were not designed for that purpose initially. So that's been one of the biggest challenges for us is not only getting equipment into place, which in most cases involves uh, portable HEPA air scrubbers that are now going to be piped outside of the building so that we can create a negative pressure in the patient room. But in order to accomplish the negative pressure, you are going to have to deal with things that weren't intentionally designed into those rooms. So things such as ceiling penetrations to a return plenum so that you make the room as small as possible that you're trying to depressurize to dealing with supply and return inlets in the base HVAC system and how are they going to interact with this new device that's now placed into that room, which is trying to depressurize the room to doors that don't seal very well because they were not designed to be sealed. They were designed for large access or for gurneys to be rolled through into a room with lots of pieces of equipment possibly coming with them. So there's been a large number of things that we have to think through as these rooms get adapted for use as a temporary airborne infection isolation room. So we're recording this on April 14th. How long have you been at this kind of project? Over a month now. We have teams of folks that using digital micromanometers and temperature and relative humidity measuring devices, we are independently verifying the performance of these rooms on a daily basis and in some places more than once a day. And as this pandemic has expanded and on the healthcare side, hospital systems are looking at how to manage surge capacity. We almost every day have a change in the number of rooms or change in the plan of number of rooms that they want to have set up to deal with that surge of patients. How is your staff responding to this? Are people needing some ancillary training or protective gear themselves? What's happening to the people side? We're fortunate that pretty much all of our folks are PPE trained, been fit tested. The challenge then becomes, as everyone is aware in this time of our lives, that we hear this constant change of recommendations for what protective gear people should be wearing and differences between masks and face coverings and where we may all, our staff may all have full face respirators that they are fit tested for. That may not be what the healthcare system wants us to wear when we're in the ICUs because that same piece of equipment isn't what the healthcare workers are provided. We've predominantly gone to, and this has actually been a, a little bit of a challenge for us, was N95s. We had a, a stockpile of N95s just for normal activities of the firm, dealing with various types of contaminants when we're working on indoor air quality problems in buildings. So we had N95s, but then when the world changed and everyone very well-intentioned wanted to send every N95 
available to the healthcare system, uh, they became impossible for us to find. So it was actually something we had to work through with the hospital systems so that as our supplies were started to dwindle, that they would then provide them for us. And we're in a little bit of a unique situation where our folks wear one N95 respirator for the entire day because they're never leaving the hospital, they're never taking it off. Whereas the healthcare providers that are actually going into the patient rooms, they have to doff that personal protective equipment every time they leave the room. So it's they have a much higher burn rate of going through these materials than our people do. So it's worked out well for us. But these are the, kind of one of the things that really struck me about this thought process is we're constantly looking to see what additional applications are there for the building science skills that our people have. That's what I think is most important. One of the most important things to get out there to HERS raters and folks that are involved in the resident industry is to constantly be thinking about what other logical extensions of my skill set are there and how can I be prepared to use them when you're in a situation like we are today where you know some parts of the country, residential new construction is at a standstill. So for businesses to be able to thrive and survive in periods of unexpected change, I think that's what really behooves the forward-thinking business people, a lot of whom are represented in the ResNet industry, of being prepared for and looking out to what future application of my skill sets are presented to me so that I can be prepared to use them if necessary. I like the way you put it there a little bit ago. Building science is building science. Science doesn't care. It's, I think it's just sort of saying if you're grounded in the fundamentals, there are many applications for the fundamentals. A step back and think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, coming out the other side of this particular period of time, when the nation gets back to the business of building and buying houses, I think now that so many people have had to spend so much time sheltered in place or stay at home orders, they're spending so much more time in, in their indoor environment. I think they're going to look very differently at what their expectation is of an indoor environment. And I think that home buyers and home builders and the technical experts, such as ResNet HERS raters that support those industries, the expectation is going to be that there's a different product available. And I think that that's a critical role that people in our industry will have the ability to play is really helping builders build the type of home that provides an indoor environment that humans in today's world maybe didn't expect as much a few months ago, but moving forward, they very much will. Along those lines, you pulled out your crystal ball, so we got to keep looking at it, okay? <laughs> what kind of changes do you think you're going to see coming down the road? Maybe you've already experienced a little bit of this, but do you think it might step up, say, requests from builders or requests from homeowners? Well, I think that, interestingly enough, that thought process was already in motion when you see how many builders, say at the International Builders Show, for example, the changes in indoor environmental concern, the changes in products that are available. There were a lot of manufacturers of HVAC products that at this year's IBS, which was taking place right at the very beginning of our awareness of this issue, they were there with products that are designed and geared specifically towards improving indoor air quality. And I think that that is a timely thing that for them perhaps was driven by a different perspective or desire to differentiate themselves in the market. But I think coming out of this and looking forward, 
since that need is going to be more direct coming from the consumer, I think that what was already kind of a slow roll into really applying a lot of things that take place in commercial buildings, we were thinking and looking at how to apply them to residential buildings. I think that now that is really going to be less of a nice to have and more of a need to have. So breaking that down, I, I, I see the pathway there. I've seen it before, and many people have, I'm sure, is moving from things that are done to control the environment in a commercial building, moving into residential. Anything in particular or some kind of subset of that? Would it be fresh air ventilation, perhaps, or air filtration, even air treatment? What do you think is going to go on there? Well, I think there'll be layers, and I think that there definitely will be changes in looking at how HVAC systems are sized and designed. There will definitely be changes in how air is filtered, how air is monitored, the relationship between ventilation, outdoor air, and the tightness of buildings as that part of building codes and above code programs builders have really figured out. So I think that the consumer-driven awareness of, well, I know my home is more energy efficient because of these things. Now I want to know how is this home being made to be more healthy for me? and. Health is a scary word for a lot of consultants and manufacturers, and it, we've even seen a movement towards wellness being more of the terminology that people are using. But at the end of the day, just as we started in this conversation, we're really looking at how do you manage uh, movement of the indoor environmental conditions and components so that you are able to deliver and provide the most control that you can over what's taking place in the occupied part of a home. So looking at, as you said, filtration, looking at particulate monitoring, TVOC monitoring, systems that are capable of automatically changing how HVAC system components are working based on real-time changes to what's taking place inside a home. I think these are things, some of the automation processes that are really going to become much more prevalent in residential new construction. And I think relating back to sort of the term of health, it's personal and it can be so different for so many people that, and it, it does have the medical connotation. So it's something people do stare away from the wellness uh, aspect does or a healthy environment, perhaps. Those are some other terms that can be encompassed there. As you said, health is very unique to every human being. The need for homes and buildings to be able to be positively pressured or negatively pressured are all things that I think are going to be much more included into the residential design and operation process than they ever were before. You can just even approach from the standpoint is, I wonder how much of the population knew what an N95 mask was before all this happened and now knows what it is. Or even the term PPE, personal protective equipment, is that awareness has been heightened and I think reasonable requests are going to come from consumers and builders along those lines. Absolutely. I definitely think that it's going to be a definitive change and driver to our industry. Very good. Well, I wanted to give you the opportunity on behalf of ResTalk to chat a little bit about this. Any kind of major points you want to get across or closing thoughts, perhaps? Predominantly just to really put it out there to our industry that expanding your awareness and preparation for how you apply the building science knowledge that you have is really something that needs to be a continuous feedback process and constantly looking at what is the next logical expansion of my particular set of skills? And there's a lot that can be done when it comes to the intelligent application of building science 
outside of just rating homes that I think that the the savvy ResNet industry constituent is going to pay attention to and should pay attention to. That's a very appropriate and awesome closing thought. I want to thank you, uh, Matthew, for joining us here today in Res Talk Podcast. And we hope that some of the listeners will sort of take heed of that message. What's sort of the best way to get a hold of you or, or to, to study up on this or learn from your uh, company? Absolutely. Email is always the easiest way to get in touch with me. And that email address is m-c-o-o-p-e-r at p-e-g-e-n-v.com. Very good. Is P-E-G an abbreviation or an acronym for something? Well, interestingly enough, so when the firm started 22 years ago, it was an incorporated firm, and the company's name was Patuxent Environmental Group. And as the company expanded its footprint, and we were working further and further away from the Patuxent River in Maryland, it got to be where people didn't understand, couldn't pronounce the name. And then eventually in 2014, the company officially changed to PEG LLC, and the PEG doesn't really stand for anything, but pretty much everyone comes up with something they think it stands for, whether it's professional energy group, professional engineering group, you name it, people come up with it. Isn't that wonderful? You have so many different ways people view your company. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, thank you for joining us here today in Res Talk Podcast. And we look forward to having the listeners perhaps get in touch and expand their thinking. Remember, science doesn't care. Thanks again, Matthew. My pleasure. Thank you. like to thank you for listening to today's episode of the Res Talk podcast. If you're a pro in the building market, you want to surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or to join the email list. You can also find Resnet on Facebook or Twitter. The Twitter handle is at resnetus, R-E-S-N-E-T-U-S. Here's a thought for today. It's a quote by John Hurt, a deceased British actor. Human beings are very good at adapting to what happens. I think that's what we heard today from Matthew at PEG LLC. So as to the point that science doesn't care, we talked about that initially. Monitoring includes differential pressure, temperature, relative humidity, all of which you heard in the podcast. These are all key factors in isolating airborne infection patients for the protection of healthcare workers and other patients. Now, these parameters should be immediately recognizable to the HERS radar. So there's where your applications are. For more questions or if you want to follow up, you can please uh, reach out. Matthew's shared his email address with us. That's mcooper, C-O-O-P-E-R, at P-E-G-E-N-V dot com. I want to thank you for listening to the Res Talk podcast. And if you have any feedback, please drop an email to info at resnet.us. And look forward to having you back again on the Res Talk podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on Res Talk. <laughs>